33 this morning, Numbers uh, chapter number 33. We are going through a series of lessons on the Pentateuch, and it's an overview. And so as we look at the first five books of the Bible, there are only certain things that we're really going over. When I sat down to write down uh, the 30 lessons that we would go over, um, it, it, trying to be more particular and precise, uh, there might be a lesson you think, boy, maybe this would be more. It, it's, sometimes it's difficult to know what would be the best for the overview. This is one chapter, but it entails Exodus through Deuteronomy. This one lesson does. And uh, <clears throat> so this morning, I'm going to just point out where the lesson comes from. And it's this particular chapter, Numbers chapter number, uh, 33. And it's Israel in transit. So in other words, when they left uh, Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land, the different places that God took them. Now, this morning's message or thought is not going to be necessarily just about geography this morning, but it's very interesting where God took them and what happened in those particular places. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front before I pray this morning that the application for this lesson is your life. And the reason for it is, is that the journey that the children of Israel took from Egypt to Canaan land is so much parallel to the Christian life's journey from the time you get saved to the time you get to heaven. And so I want to point those things out to you this morning. And again, I hope it'll be a help to you. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Father, thank you for letting us be here this morning. And Lord, thank you again for the church family. Uh, Father, I ask you to please now bless the, your word. And Lord, as it's heard and spoken, first give us the words to say. And then Lord, give uh, those who are listening the ears to hear. And Father, may we make application, uh, Lord, our own lives and maybe a help to somebody else. Lord God, thank you again for the Christian life, the journey that you've placed upon us, and Lord, help us again to fulfill the journey that you've given to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, look at Numbers chapter 33, just verses 1 and 2. I'm not going to read all this. If you've ever read this chapter before, if you're like me, I have a hard time saying all the names of these places. Um, I'm going to just tell you that, uh, and you probably figured it out by now, when I get to the genealogies, I fake it that I know what the words are said. Uh, or how they're set, all right? And so I don't dare read around my wife because she knows I'm faking it, all right? And uh, if I'm reading with the kids, I'm not going to tell them I don't know how to say kihahitropath. I'm not going to do that, all right? So I'm just going to act like I know how I'm saying it, all right? So, uh, but these cities that are mentioned here are kind of interesting. Um, you know, I was reading the other day, I was, you ever listen to the Bible on uh, tape or CD or digital, however you do it? It's interesting because you at least think that if they're going to read it for you, they know how the words are said. At least, at least you're trusting that they know how the words are said. And the other day, I was studying uh, in Joshua there. I have said all my life, AI. And so I was listening to the chapter, and they called it I. The whole time he was reading, he said, kept saying I, I. And the only thing I can figure out is the guy doesn't know how to read. It says AI, all right? So that's just the way it is. It's AI. I don't care. It's not I. It's AI, all right? Apparently, when he was reading, he couldn't see both letters. He only saw one. And so, uh, so anyway, I'm not going to go through all these uh, names of these places uh, with you. But I will read verses 1 and 2 with you this morning. Numbers 33, verse 1 says, These are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the, un, under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys, by the commandment of the Lord. These are their journeys according to their goings out. Now you obviously can see there's 50 verses um, of places. Now there's 56 verses in the chapter, but there's 50 verses of all the places 
uh, from the time they leave Egypt till they get to the border there of Jordan uh, near Jericho. I think verse 50 actually says that. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Now, church family, the children of Israel left the promised land and they packed, or I'm sorry, left, excuse me, left Egypt and they're headed to the promised land. Now, I want you to think this morning because we're on a journey of life. Now, when you think about this, I want to tell you both sides of this so that you're never confused or if you hear from somebody else. Many people will tell you the promised land is not a picture of heaven. And to be honest with you, I would not disagree with that. And I'll tell you why. Because when the first generation got to the border of Canaan and they didn't trust the Lord, and then they wandered for 40 years and never got to go to the promised land, that's not a true picture of heaven. If you're saved, you're saved. Amen? Amen. All right? So I don't have to wonder where I'm going when I die. I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior. I'm going into the promised land. Okay? Amen. But there is an application here that God took them from Egypt from the time they got saved, Egypt being a picture of the world and their salvation, the blood on the doorpost, death angel passes by, that was the picture of salvation. They leave Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land, to the land that God has promised them, all right? Now, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. I've received the promise. All right, John 14, 6, uh, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. Where's the Father? He's in heaven, all right? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I know where I'm going when I die. I've been promised from the scripture. John chapter 3, verse number 36. John chapter 1, verse number 12. We can go through several verses that once I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm on my way to heaven. I was out witnessing yesterday with Brother Stanley, and we knocked on a door, and a lady came to the door, and she was a Mormon, and, um, but very polite, came out and talked to us. And then she's, I said, uh, do you know if you're going to heaven? She said, yes. I said, then I, you never know. So I just told her, I said, hey, listen, if you're going to tell me how I could go to heaven, what do I have to do? Amen. That'll tell you really quick what they believe. <laughs> well, you know, you have to be able to, you know, the Book of, Book of Mormon, what does they call that Book of Mormon? They said, you gotta, you gotta follow that, you gotta follow these rules, and you'll kinda be able to get into that. I wanna tell you something, you don't have to follow any rules, you just have to follow Christ. Amen. All right? And so we believe by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that he paid my sin debt in full. Either I pay for my sin debt and die and go to hell forever, or I accept Christ's payment for my sin on the cross, and I go to heaven forever. All right? How many's glad you're saved this morning? Amen? And it's forever settled, because I have a promise. So that's the thought this morning I want you to go with, is that when, from the time you got saved in Egypt, you're on a trip, all right? right. Now, I was talking about the Johnson Sr. He doesn't like trips. He's, I told him in, in years, I said, he's going to retire. And I, uh, five years or so, he's going to retire. And I said, so are you going to travel with your wife? And, and you could, I could tell real quick, he's not going anywhere, <laughs> all right? His wife says, well, he's been to 39 countries. He doesn't, he doesn't want to travel, all right? I think your wife does, by the way. But anyway, you know, he doesn't want to travel, all right? Now, can I tell you that whether you like traveling or not, you're on a journey right now. Right. And it's called the Christian journey. And, and tonight, I'm going to take for granted this morning during the Sunday school hour that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And if you're saved on your way to heaven, you're on a journey. And God's got a plan. He's got a map. Now, I want to read a couple verses with you this morning because here's where I really want to start. Turn back to Exodus now because it really covers Exodus through Deuteronomy. But look at Exodus and uh, see here. <laughs> Looking for my verse here. I'm sorry, chapter 13. Exodus 13. Look at verse number 17. Exodus 13, look at verse 17. They're going to leave the land of Egypt. Look what God says in chapter Exodus 13, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not 
through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now, church, I want you to look at your map for just a moment here, right? that little colorful map that you have. If you're holding the map, you're going to look to your far left. You're going to see Egypt in the far corner. Church family, if you look at the top to the right, you see the little arrow at the very, very top right where it says Canaan, the promised land. Okay, so if they would have went straight from Egypt to Canaan, they would have followed the route right along the Mediterranean Sea. But the problem is, is there were Philistines between, uh, Philistine country between Egypt and Canaan. And God says, I'm not going to send them the quickest route. They just came out of the land of Egypt. I'm not going to let them see war and discourage their heart. So God said he was going to send them down toward the way of the wilderness. You see Mount Sinai at the very bottom there, uh, almost in the center there, but Mount Sinai. God sent them down to the wilderness. And if you follow the red arrows, that's the, kind of the direction they took. Now, I know this is kind of a kid's map per se. I know there's not a lot of detail to it. But what I'm trying to get you to see is this. God know, knew what the best way was for the children of Israel. Now, Church, can I also remind you, God knows what the best way is for your life. I don't like my job. I don't like where I'm living. I don't like what I'm doing. Can I tell you something? God knows what's best for you. And God knew what was best for the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, if God knew what their response would be or what would take place if they would have gone the quicker route. And God said, there's no quick way of this. I'm going to take you the way that's best for your life. Now, I want to tell you, you're in a transition. Every day of our life is a transition. I was talking to Brother Mooney just before the service here, our Sunday school hour, and we were talking about children, and of course, uh, he's already got one out of the house and three left, and I said, we just got back from spring break, and I took my kids, and we were able to do some fun things together, and, and the time's ticking. You know, you that are just starting to have children, you think it's going to be forever when they're, before they're gone. It's not forever. It might seem like forever, but it's not forever, all right? And before you know it, they're going to be gone. And it's nice to be able to be, spend some time with the children and, and get to see them do things. And, you know, there's a transition of life. Some of you are in the early ages of maybe of marriage and children. That's a, that's a transition. There's a transition there. Middle age and kids are starting to move out of the house. Some of you are in your senior years. There's a transition. But it's all about the Christian life transition. Time I got saved, time I get to heaven. Now, quickly, I want to go through some things. Now, Trisha, Listen to this next statement, otherwise I'm, fr I'm afraid you're going to lose me this morning. On this lesson, I basically, uh, if you take this study and you go from Exodus to, to the end of Deuteronomy where Moses is standing with the children of Israel and say, okay, I'm about to pass off the scene, Joshua's going to come and lead you into the promised land. I want, it's interesting that you find that God had certain things that he was trying to do or teach or give the children of Israel in their transition. Now, I think it's in your lesson, and I'm not going to teach this one, but I, I want you to think about it. To me, there were three major categories to the children of Israel's transition. All right, now they're, on your, they're kind of on your map, but transition number one was from Egypt to Mount Sinai. That was transition number one. That was the travels of, uh, if I can say in a large group, they stopped several places along the way. But in that first transition from Egypt to, to, the, uh, to Mount Sinai, you have the crossing of the Red Sea. You've got some miracles that God gave them, manna and water uh, from, from um, throwing a tree actually into the water. God did some miracles for them. They get to Mount Sinai, second transition, Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is where the 12 spies went into the promised land, all right? In other words, they got to the border of Canaan land, but they didn't go in, all right? Third transition, all right? Now, when you think about uh, Exodus, through Deuteronomy, transition number one, leave Egypt, go down to Mount Sinai. That's where the they got the Ten Commandments. Second transition, Israel in transit. 
Mount Sinai up to Kadesh Barnea, but they don't go into the promised land. Third transition. I'm going to combine a couple things here, but the third transition. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they get all the way back up to the Jordan River, which again is the border of the promised land. All right, so three transitions. Now, this is just from, from studying this, this is what I gather. In the first transition, actually, to be honest with you, the first year, I could take you to the verse. But in the first year, God did several things in their journey to prepare them or to teach them in their transition of going to the promised land. Now, here's the application. I hope this is not too deep and I hope I didn't lose you this morning. I want to point out, I think six or seven of them, that of what God did in the children of Israel's life in the first year of their journey that was going to be prevalent throughout their entire journey of their life to the promised land. And I want to tell you, it's very interesting. These same six or seven things are the same things that God puts into our life for our journey until we get to heaven. All right? Now, quickly, let's look at them together. I think you'll find them interesting, okay? Look, now we're going to go back. We're going to just kind of hit uh, some of these. Should I do that? Let's look, look over to Exodus chapter 15. I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 15. Let me just go ahead and jump right into the first one. By the way, church family, whether I go back to it or not, in Numbers 33, it shows the transitions in chapter 33, but it names the place. I'm going to go to where, what happened at those places, okay? So let's look at the first one, Exodus chapter 15. Look at verse number 22. Exodus 15, verse number 22. They leave the promised, I'm sorry, they leave Egypt, forgive me. They leave Egypt and they're on their journey. At the, they just finished the Red Sea. Pharaoh is killed. Look at chapter 15, verse number 22. And so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness and sure, and they went, how far? Three days into the wilderness and found no water, all right? So they get past the Red Sea. God opens up the water. They cross on dry ground. Egypt, the Egyptians are all killed. Three days later, look at verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, they, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, uh, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, that he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he, what's the word? them. Now, church family, there is no way, I'm, I don't see a way, that I'm going to get through everything this morning, and so I'm going to have to hustle this morning. I cannot even turn to all the passages this morning. But can I tell you, the very first thing, three days into their journey, what was the first thing God did? You read the last three words. He what? Can I tell you what the Christian life is full of? Tests. Tests. Amen. Tests. Amen. You know what your journey until you get to heaven is going to be? Tests. You know, nobody likes tests. You know, the teacher gives the test. He says, listen, I, I, the reason I'm giving you the test is just to make sure that you understand that. Can I tell you something? God gives us tests to make sure we understand. Tests are important. Just, I mean, do you understand that them getting three days right past the Red Sea, them getting three days into it and not having water, was God not able to give them water? In fact, he threw a tree into the water to make it sweet so that they could drink. Do you understand all the tests of life are not about what you don't have. It's about what God does have. Do you understand the test of life is not about what you don't know, it's about what God already knows. Right. I was talking to, I think it was Brother Johnson Sr. and uh, somebody else this morning uh, about the church plan in Topeka, and I'm anxious to a degree as far as getting that thing started, but you know what? I'm not anxious in the sense that God has a time, He has a place, He has a person, and God knows all of those things, and as long as this church is going the right direction, God's going to lead us to all three of those, all right? Do you understand it's the same thing in your life? I don't know what, what, why, I don't know why this is happening to me. Could be a test. Do you know why? Because that's the Christian life. 
You know, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing is after we took the test, no more test? You know, isn't that what our kids think? Well, when I get done with school, I will never do schoolwork again. No, but you're going to get a job. Man, when I get done with uh, college, I am never going to take a test again. No, you have tests the rest of your life. Tests, that's just part of our Christian life. You are going to go through tests. And so, listen, you ought to make sure you pass the test. Children of Israel, they kept failing them. Did you know that three times God tested them with water? Three times. The first time is right here, and God says, throw, throw, throw a tree in the water. All right? And again, there's a picture there of the cross. But the second time, they, they didn't have water, and they're murmuring. God says, Moses, go hit the rock. He hits the rock, and water comes out. All right? The third time, same test. We don't have any water. Moses, go talk to the rock. Now, Moses didn't obey, but God said, go talk to the, go talk to the rock. Okay? Do you understand that God brings tests into your life, and he will continue to bring tests in your life? The word prove is mentioned three times. I'm sorry, we don't have time to go to everything this morning. But, you know, the word prove, when it's talking about the children of Israel, was used three times. The word prove means test, okay? The first time was this time here when it came to the water. The second time is when they complained to God and said, we don't have any bread to eat. We don't have any food to eat. We remember what it was like in Egypt. Yeah, right. It was so wonderful before you were saved. And you know what God said? Okay, I'm going to give you manna but I want you to get enough manna for the day. And when it comes to the weekend, it's the Sabbath day, I want you to get enough for two days. And the Bible says God was proving them. Now, church family, was he proving them whether or not they'd like the bread? It was angel's food. You can't get any better than angel's food. All right? Hey, can I just tell you that God was not testing them whether or not they'd like the bread. You know what he was testing them? He was testing on whether they would obey him or not. Hey, I'm going to say it because you're here this morning in Sunday school hour and it's time change and you showed up even on a time change Sunday. You're good people. But I want to tell you, I've said more than once, what's going on with the COVID in our nation, all it was was a test of our Christianity. It was not about people dying. It was not about a sickness. I have no doubt the devil knew this would be a test of Christianity. That's all it was. Church family, there are more people that die with a whole lot of other things than have died with COVID, and we've stopped the whole nation. It, the devil orchestrated this to find out if people's Christianity was real or not. Yeah. I don't think we should go to church. Church family, let me say again. If you're sick, stay home. Okay? You and I agree with that. Thank you so much. We're preachers, all right? Don't bring your sickness to church. Keep your sickness at home. Okay, but if you're not sick, go to church. Amen. All right, that was free. All right, God bless you. So the first thing on your journey of life is God will test you on your journey of life. I'm going to run out of time this morning, but let me go ahead and give you the next one. Next one is in Exodus chapter 16, very next chapter. Look at Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to have to save some time here as far as reading. Um, but look at verse number four. I'll read a couple of verses. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Um, jump down again for time's sake. I'm sorry. The whole chapter is talking about manna. But look at verse 35. And the children of Israel, verse 35, the children of Israel did eat manna how long? All right. Now, church family, think for a second here. You're on a journey. You got your suitcase. I told my wife, I said, don't give me one of these fancy fandangled suitcases. Give me an old-fashioned suitcase. You know, it's got a handle and you carry it. Not with four wheels and a contoral, all right? And uh, so they're on their journey, all right? They're on the journey of life. You're on a journey of life until you get to heaven. Can I tell you what's going to happen? God's going to test you. 
Right? You think that it's just a matter of some cantankerous old Christian that you get mad at. No, it's a matter of whether or not you're going to pass the test. Right. And then the second thing God does in your test, guess what he does? He provides for your needs. Church family, I, I don't have to turn to it because you probably know it by heart. But Matthew chapter number 6, I think it's verse 31 through 33. He says, you know, when it comes to eating, when it comes to drinking, and when it comes to clothing, the Bible says, your father knoweth that ye have need of them. God knows you have to eat. How many is glad we get to eat? All right? Amen. Your body can't go without water. Is it 80% of your body's water? Am I correct on that? 75%? I mean, God knows you need water. And thank God you've got clothes on. He says that in Matthew 6, verse 31 and 32. And then when you get to verse number 33, you know it by heart. Because of that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Food and water and clothing. Just tell me, the reason God on the journey of life, when it comes to, to come to the children of Israel, is he wanted to show them, I will provide for you. I'm not saying you're not going to go through a rough time. They went without food for a period of time until God says, okay, I'm, I'll take care of it. And by the way, nobody died of starvation. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't have time, time to turn to the passage. Hopefully I can just find the verse real quickly here. Mm, I found it. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, verse number 4. Listen to this. God said, thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. How many would say it'd be a wonderful thing if you didn't have to buy clothes for your growing children? Amen. Okay? My, my kids, they just are starting to, sh they just shot up. I don't know what from. I don't know what they've been eating. But man, they're just growing. Wouldn't you like to have clothes that they grew with your children? Amen. You know, some of you, you, you diet, you gain it back. You diet, you gain it back. Wouldn't it be nice never to change your wardrobe? You know, you gain 20 pounds, your clothes grow with you. You lose 20 pounds, it shrinks with you. Now that would be something to sell. But that's exactly what happened for the children of Israel. The Bible says their raiment did not grow old and their foot did not swell. Their shoe grew with their foot. Can I tell you something? God's going to provide your need. You said, oh, I just don't have this and I don't have that. I want to tell you something. David said, hey, listen, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God will take care of you. Amen. Just because you're going through a rough time might be the test. But God provides. So along our journey of life, we see that, first of all, God, uh, God tests us on a journey. Second of all, God will provide your needs on your journey. Now to the next chapter, chapter number 17 of Exodus is where we're at. Exodus 17, look at verse number. Oh, let me pick it up in verse number 8. Verse number 8 says this. It says, Then came what? Amalek, and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men. And go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill and with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. Good, that's a powerful uh, verse too. I want you to look at verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn. Now look at this verse 16. Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek for how long? All right, now, church family, there's no way to do a Bible study. It can be a message all on its own. 
Amalek is a picture of the flesh. How do you know that? Because Genesis tells us that Amalek was a son, actually a grandson of Esau. What did Esau do? He sold his birthright for a morsel of bread. It was all flesh to Esau. Esau is a picture of the flesh. His grandson is named Amalek. The children of Israel are in a weak moment in their light, and all of a sudden Amalek comes along and causes all this havoc. God says, go take care of Amalek. I'm going to help you fight Amalek. And Moses goes to the top of the hill, holds his hands up. God fights for the children of Israel to defeat Amalek. What's the picture here? Can I tell you that in your journey of life, you will always have war from generation to generation with your flesh. Hey, how many of you, when you woke up this morning on Time Chain Sunday, you woke out of bed, you started singing Victory in Jesus and said, I can't wait to get to church? <laughs> Nobody? What's wrong with you? How many of you, when the alarm clock went off this morning, you decided, hey, listen, I think I'm going to sleep a little longer? <laughs> All right, at least a few of you are honest. Okay, confession's good for the soul, right? So during our time change, Stace, who gave us that alarm clock I've had for years and years and years? Do you remember? I was a church member. I've used the same alarm clock for a long, long time, okay? But for whatever reason, my alarm clock is demon-possessed on Time Change Sunday. I've had it for years, but for some reason, it can't figure out this is the Sunday until usually a week later. So during the week sometime, it's going to wake me up a week or oh, an hour early is what it's going to end up doing. But. So on Time Change Sunday, I never rely upon that alarm clock to wake me up. Now, you know me well enough. I put my alarm clock across the room. When the alarm clock gets off, I get out of my bed. I go over to the alarm clock and I turn it off because by that time, at least I'm semi-awake. So I don't just lay there because if I have my alarm clock next to me, what am I going to do? I'm going to do what you do. Push the snooze button. All right. So I, last night, like every time change, I put a watch on when I go to bed to wake me up. All right, so I said, wake me up. I think this morning, if I remember correctly, um, I think I, I didn't get to bed till 10.15 last night, so then 5.15, I slept for seven hours. So at 5.15 this morning, my alarm clock went off on my watch, and it vibrates because I'm waking my wife up, all right? It's the only time of the year that I struggle with this because I'm laying in bed and my alarm's on my wrist. And I looked at it, and it gave me two options. Option number one, get more sleep for the cause of Christ. Option number two, get out of bed. Now, I want you to know I did the spiritual thing. I pushed snooze. <laughs> and 10 minutes later, that thing went off again. And I said, I can't do this. So I got out of bed before I turned it off this time. You know, thank you very much, all right? I failed, got back up. All right, so anyway. Now, all I'm trying to say is, is that our flesh is constantly fighting us. And can I tell you something? It's not like you get on the road and say, okay, I defeated Amalek and we don't have any more problems. He said from generation to generation, all of your life, you're going to have to fight what you want to do compared to what God wants you to do. What your flesh would like to do and what God's will is for your life. It's constant. It's part of the journey. You say, pastor, are you sure it's going to be that way? What did Paul say in Romans 7? In Romans 7, verse 15 to the end of the chapter, he says, man alive, the things I should do, I'm not doing. The things I shouldn't do, I am doing. But when you get to the end of the chapter, I know I'm not turning to it, but at the end of the chapter, here's what he said. He said, who shall deliver me from this? He didn't say what. And then when you get to the, I think it's the second to the last verse, he says, Jesus Christ. Hey, can I just tell you that on your journey of life, there are going to be some tests that you're going to have to go through. On your journey of life, there are going to be some needs that God's going to have to provide for you. And on your journey of life, God's going to help you fight the flesh. All right? Don't give up. All right, guess what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to have to get up again. All right? 
and I don't have to worry about time change tomorrow. And my alarm clock's gonna be on the other side of the room. And I'm gonna get myself out of bed because my flesh does not wanna get out of bed. It is a constant fight. I fight my flesh when it comes to eating, all right? Now, most of you don't have this problem. And so I like to eat. I grew up in a home that we like to eat. We eat late at night, anything that's healthy. In other words, I mean with grease, sugar, anything that was, that, I'm sorry, anything that tastes good. And it's not really healthy, but anything that tastes good. That's how we grew up, all right? So I constantly, so I was telling my wife, I spent 11 weeks, and I, I, don't, I only lost 11 pounds in 11 weeks. There's something wrong with a diet after 11 weeks. I mean, goodness gracious, I should be like when I was 18 again. But then I went to see my brother last week and I was with him for three days. I found all 11 pounds again, all right? You know why? Because I like to eat. You know why I like to eat? Flesh, flesh. Hey, can I tell you something? Whatever you're dealing with as far as that appetite that you shouldn't have, that's just gonna be part of life and you can get the victory. You know how you get the victory? The Lord Jesus Christ. All right, quickly, something else on the journey. All right, just got a few more minutes here. We see, number one, that God will test you on your journey. Number two, God will provide your needs on your journey. Number three, God will help you fight the flesh on the, on the journey. All right? Chapter number 20. Chapter, can I just say this one? In Exodus chapter 20, what took place in Exodus 20? We have the what? Ten commandments. Ten commandments. Can I tell you something? On the journey of life, you've got God's word. They got to Mount Sinai, and God said, let me just tell you some things. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make into thee graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He goes and gives all the Ten Commandments. And you know what it was about? It was about God's word. What do you hold in your hand this morning? It's called a Bible. Amen. Aren't you glad on this journey of life that when you get up this morning, you could have the God of heaven talk to you because you've got his book? That's part of the journey. Stay in the book. Stay in God's word. All right, so that's Exodus 20. Look at the next one there. In Exodus 25, this one I do want you to see. Turn to Exodus 25, look at verse number 8, because actually this is the rest of the book of Exodus and most of Leviticus. Exodus 25, verse number 8. And let them, this is at Mount Sinai, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may what? Dwell among them. All right, now, church, we understand that the tabernacle was a portable place of worship, the temple was a permanent place of worship. And that now your body is the temple of God, all right? But the church is a picture of the tabernacle and temple because it's a place where God meets with us, all right? Why'd you come to church this morning? Hopefully not to hear a sermon. We don't need a sermon. We need a message. What's the message about? A message from God that God speaks to us. Well, can I just tell you what, for your journey of life, God has a church for you. Now you're here this morning for Sunday school. This is the church that God gave you. There's a bunch of people out there that have, Christians, that have not figured out that God has a place for them. Yep. You know, the only good thing about vacation and spring, uh, spring, uh, spring break, things of that sort of going away, the only good thing is every once in a while, I think it's good for my kids to see. Sometimes they see, they see both sides, depending on where I'm at. Like, um, you know, sometimes they go to a place and they figure out, oh, there's other people who believe like we do. We're not just weird. Well, my kids are weird, but they know that church is not weird. The other good thing about going to other places, because if I can't find a church, I'm going to go to a Baptist church, but if I'm going to go somewhere, sometimes it's not like here, they figure out, oh, that's why we do what we do. But you know what? They have a place. Amen. Now, by God's grace, and some of your kids have already done, gone that route, um, you know, how old was Mark when you came? Was he born? He was one? Just under one? All right, how old are you now, Mark? 27, okay, so June will be 27 years we've been here. So he's under one. 
this is all Mark's ever known. I don't know how Mark is, but I know how my kids are because this is all they've ever known when they go to another place. This is the only thing they have it to compare to. <laughs> I like that, by the way. Now, there are no perfect places. You've been in enough places. That I wish there was perfect churches, all right? Now, there's perfect pastors, but there's no perfect places, all right? <laughs> right. There are no perfect churches because we have imperfect pastors. There are no perfect churches, but I believe with all my heart that on your journey of life, God has a place for you. I don't have I love my church Sunday, but I understand one thing. God has a place for me. Amen. And he's got a place for you. Amen. And it's got imperfect people. And stop getting upset with other church members. This is the place you're supposed to be regardless. Amen. All right? So I see on the journey of life, several things. All right? I see, first of all, God will, put, will have tests on your journey. Number two, God will provide your needs on your journey. Number three, God will help you fight the flesh on your journey. Number four, God will give you uh, his word on the, on, on the journey. Number five, God will give you a place of worship on your journey. All right? Of course, that was the tabernacle for God's people. Last of all, and I, uh, I do have time. Turn to Numbers 15. Let me give you this. Numbers 9. I'm sorry. Numbership 9. Let me give you this last one. Now, some of you might be asking, well, Pastor, how come we're not going all the way to the book of Deuteronomy? I'm just trying to tell you that almost everything that God was trying to teach the children of Israel was between Egypt and Mount Sinai, which is where he got the Ten Commandments, and everything else was a repeat of those things, all right? In other words, these are things that are going to be on the journey that you need to understand. For 40 years, they were supposed to understand these things, all right? Numbers chapter 9, look at verse 15. I won't read all the verses. It says, verse 15, and on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and even there was upon the tabernacle as an appearance of fire. So you have the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. Verse 16, so it was always. Verse 18, at the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journey, at the command of the Lord they pitched. Verse number 20, and so it was when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord they abode in their tents, and according to the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. Verse number 23, and at the commandment of the Lord they rested in the tents, and at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. Now, church family, I, I think you probably already see this, but God never left them. Amen. On their journey, there was always the presence of God. By day, pillar of cloud. By night, pillar of fire. Whenever God wanted them to move, they just followed the cloud, they followed the fire. My church family, what do you always have with you since the day you were saved? Holy, Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. John chapter 14. He says... Uh, he was talking to the disciples. He says, not only will the comforter be with you, he will be in you. Amen. <laughs> You've got a spirit of God inside of you to give you direction. You know, the uh, children are getting to the age. I'm still to this day asking the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do here? What does this kid need? What do I need to do to change this in their life? What am I supposed to do? I mean, sometimes I'm just so stinking bewildered, it's ridiculous but I believe with all my heart that I've got a Holy Spirit inside me to give me direction Amen. by day or by night. You know why? Because he's always with you. Church family, you're on a journey. Your bags are packed. Until I get to heaven, I'm on this journey. And while I'm on this journey, he knows the best path for my life. And for me, it's Lawrence, Kansas. And I don't want to be anywhere else except for Lawrence, Kansas. Amen. For my journey of life, he gives me tests. He gave me a test this last week, and I, I didn't pass the test. And I'm saying, okay, God, I'm going to pass the test. On this journey of life, God provides our needs. Sometimes he gives us more than we need. Sometimes we don't, he does, he, in, our, in our explanation, he doesn't give us enough, but he always provides our needs. 
In our journey of life, he's given me the book. That's why every day of my life I need to read it. On my journey of life, he's given me a place. It's called the Heritage Baptist Church. I need to be there. Amen. On my journey of life, he's given me the Holy Spirit of God who's constantly always with me. You're on a journey. How are you doing on your journey? You came to Sunday school this morning, so I would say that you're doing pretty good. But don't forget, God knows your path. He knows what's best for you. Stay on the journey, the Christian journey.